All right, welcome to the Aaron Warner podcast on iCode Media. Today I've got uh, Christy and Adam joining me, and uh, I've known them before and uh, really got intrigued when I heard them share their story on a webinar regarding practices that had a net million dollars or more and thought it was it was pretty neat and wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the, the how they got to, to that point and the keys that made them successful. Uh, but before we jump into that, Christy and Adam, can you guys introduce yourselves to everyone? Uh, yes, I'm Dr. Christy Tart Bryan, and this is Dr. Adam Bryan. Um, we own a practice, owned a practice here in North Carolina. Um, we went to Southern College of Optometry. That's where we met. And um, about three years after graduation, we went out on our own um, for our practice here. Yeah, so we opened cold in Holly Springs, North Carolina, which is a suburb of Raleigh in 2009. And over the course of the next 14 years, um, grew the practice to a pretty substantial level um, with several associates. And in late 2020, we sold the practice, uh, 2022, excuse me, sold the practice um, to a private equity firm. And since then um, have been a little bit in the clinic mostly out of the clinic, trying to figure out what the next big thing is. I like it. And we're happy to be here to yes, talk about uh, our story with you, Aaron. Very cool. I'm happy to, to have you guys. So you met in optometry school. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. And then when you opened three years out of school, did you both were working in the, the clinic together? We alternated days. So okay. we kept our old jobs. Um, I was driving like an hour and a half on two or three days a week to work outside our own practice. So we did two days each, I think in yep. the beginning. Um, and then eventually I got to quit first to devote, you know, full time at uh, Carolina family vision. And then at some point we felt safe enough that we let him quit his outside job. Too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. So like I'm curious, technically, you know, we always talk about, or people talk about you guys working together and, mm -hmm. you know, technically we work together to, run the business and develop the business and whatnot. But as far as the clinic is concerned in 14 years, I think there might've been one day that we actually worked together in the clinic. So, um, and that was an odd day. Uh, it was late in the game to, to both be, you know, on the schedule at the same time was, was it was for family reasons. So one of us was always, off the clock uh, enough that they could go pick a kid up from school or, um, you know, at least once we only had Carolina family vision to do, it was nice to be able to tag team the home stuff as well. Sure. as the office. And, and that was, especially from your perspective, you know, in running and developing the clinic and growing it, having those, you know, two or three days outside of patient care was critical in allowing us to realize the the growth that we were able to, if we were both in the clinic five days a week, I, it would have been a much bigger challenge to, to grow the practice substantially. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I was going to ask how you, how you guys worked together and uh, you jumped in and answered it. <laughs> so you, you both worked a couple of days in the clinic and you both had a couple of, of admin days, if you will, to work on the clinic. Eventually, at, not at first, not for years. Okay. Yeah, those so other days were spent at other clinics. Um, for probably what? Three, for you, it was four. probably three years. And mm -hmm. for myself, I think it was about five. Okay. Um, that So the, 
I was definitely seeing patients five days a week, three days in our clinic and two days outside. And then she was two days and two or three days outside until she was just two days in our clinic. But by the end, yes, I spent my two or three days outside of clinic on the business uh, running. Cause you, to, once you get to a certain point, you're on, even in the beginning, you're the CEO, the COO, all of those things. And those can be full-time jobs depending on how the size of a clinic. And it really let us make that turn from being a mom and pop to being a much larger organization. Got it. How did you divide the administrative work initially? Was one of you the, the natural CEO, somebody else the COO, CFO? It's changed over time. Adam has always been the numbers guy. He really, he's always done the QuickBooks and the big picture financials. I um, would do more of the operations. And um, I, I like numbers too, but more of a like revenue per patient and how, you know, how many frames did we sell this month? And those kind of like minute numbers, I guess, or day-to-day -day numbers where he would do the more net cost of goods and um, financials of taxes and all those stuff that I, I would defer to our CFO. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's important that we all appreciate our strengths and then find someone who can supplement us on, on where we're not as strong. For sure. That is definitely, yes. there's I, definitely some complementary uh, strengths and weaknesses in this uh, team. And uh, she, all the gaps that I have, fortunately, and there's a lot of them, Fortunately, she fills those in very, very well. And when I'm consulting, I, it, when, when you're alone, like you're a solo practitioner, it's finding those people that fill your gaps. You want to use your strengths and do what you're really good at, but don't be afraid to pay someone to do the things that you're not good at or lean on the strengths of your staff to pick up the slack. Yep. I was listening to, I can't remember where I heard this or maybe I read it, but they were talking about the, the, the cost of, of missed opportunity. And so often we hear, Oh, you know, I don't know if I can afford a, a CFO or I can afford the numbers person, or I can afford somebody to, to balance me out. Mm -hmm. And the question came back, well, how much are you losing by not paying for that person right now? Right. You know? And if you're really looking, you can find fractional C <laughs> COOs, fractional, um, CMOs, like you can find experts not outside of the industry. Um, sometimes you have to look outside the industry to come and help you, um, especially once you get to a higher level. I mean, when you're running a you know two, three, four million dollar practice, some of that stuff's going to be outside your wheelhouse from yeah. what you got learned in optometry school, right? And so I, I tell you, don't be afraid to seek good advice and. At, surround yourself with the people that, that do fill in those gaps. Right. And, you know, especially when you start, you know, adding a zero or whatnot, doubling and tripling, you know, 1% or 2%, you know, early on, you know, that wasn't much to, you know, shake a stick at, but when, you know, 2% for a $3 million practice is $60,000. And so, you know, it adds up very quickly. So if you, don't take advantage of opportunities or don't, you know, kind of get out in front of things. Um, it can bite you very quickly. And, and so I think we um, have been able, again, be, I think because we're in the team situation and we had, you know, time outside of the clinic, 
on a regular basis to devote to these sorts of things, we were able to, you know, be more proactive um, than some people who are just stuck in the clinic, you know, 40, 50 hours a week have yep. the opportunity to be. Mm -hmm. Yep. I see that. What, did you guys structure time to, to talk about the business and the time that where you didn't talk about the business, just family time? No. Or is it, uh, uh, <laughs> basically if we were awake, it was <laughs> fair game, yeah. whether or not you're laying in bed, staring at the ceiling, you know, in 2010, wondering how you're going to, you know, pay the employee and how you're going to pay rent or, you know, we're driving to Disney world, you know, in 2012 and we got two small kids in the back and they're staring at their tablets. So it's we're talking, you know, business for eight straight hours. You know, it was never off the table. Okay. Yeah. We, we spent a lot of time with our kids. Of course, when we were with them, we, it wouldn't be a big deal, but we have a lot of time together. So yeah, we, we did not really separate it. We're like, we're not talking sometimes on vacation. We like, okay, no, no office, but talking about our business didn't feel like work. Now I didn't want to be fielding calls from the office or, yeah. you know, being on call. But if we were talking about it together, it didn't, it didn't bother us to do that you know, outside of the clinic. Right. I mean, we're together a lot. We've been together a lot over <laughs> the last, <laughs> you know, 15 years since, you know, we opened the business. And so it's just natural. Just if we're at lunch, if we're in the car, if we're not actively doing something, then, you know, it's fair game. Yeah. Very cool. I've always wondered how, how different couples structure that. I don't work with my wife and she's a high school teacher and we uh, understand what each other does and appreciates it, but I don't think we fully internalize the each other's jobs sure. uh, so we try to keep it no business at home so i'm no, that's, always curious that's about that's others very healthy i'm sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> two, two very different worlds All right. um so christy you mentioned uh surrounding yourself with with people to help you surrounding yourself with community mm -hmm. um and those who've listened to the podcast know that i'm bullish on it, you know while we're independent we're not a, an, on an island by ourselves, mm -hmm. and um and I know that, well, everybody knows that, that I'm a proud Vision Source member and, and part of that community. Uh, you guys shared that you were as well um, mm -hmm. through, uh, throughout your journey. Um, well, I don't want to talk specifically Vision Source. I, I do think it's important that independent practice owners and independent business owners have that group of people they can rely on, they can take uh, challenges to, they can share successes with, they can ask questions of. What are your guys' thoughts on surrounding yourself with a, a community like that? Yeah. Entrepreneurship in general can be very lonely. You can really feel alone sometimes. Like your friends don't really understand if they have corporate jobs and um, sometimes your family doesn't understand what you're going through. And so um, any opportunity we would get, um, we would definitely try to take advantage of it. Um, we had really good mentors who were uh, our first jobs coming out, our, our bosses, and then when we went on our own at first, they were our, you know, we would ask them lots of questions and they were super helpful. I'd still call them and ask questions to this day. And um, then, of course, we had consultants that we surrounded ourselves with um, to, to help you again not feel alone. Sometimes that's just them telling you stories of other practices. Um, and Vision Source did provide some level of that. And I'm, I'm really grateful for the meetings that we did have. Um, I think the 
biggest thing for Vision Source is going to that national meeting. That was really where you can feel community. Um, our local meetings were hit or miss, um, whether we would have them or not. Um, and so I think the community is there to be had. You just have to, you have to seek it. Um, outside of your buying group, I think now we're so lucky to have so much, you know, the forums on Facebook and um, that was not popular or not around back then. And I, I think so easy to jump on and ask, you know, thousands of colleagues how they feel about certain or how they have encountered this at their practice or that um, is, is a huge uh, benefit to operating today is that that was not available when we were, when we were on our own. Yeah, I totally agree. And so, yes. So as you said, Aaron, we joined vision source. And so we opened in October of 2009. We have actually been members of vision source since probably mid 2008. Um, we knew the local administrator, um, super nice guy. And he let us in. They knew we were opening. We'd already signed the paperwork and all that. And, and it's great because you're just, you know, you're paying a percentage and our, per, in a, you know, whatever percentage, percentage of, zero. of zero is zero. So we got to go to the meetings. We got to utilize the equipment um, deals, but you know, like she said, it's the, it's the mentorship and, and the, you know, getting into a circle of people who have done it before and as you know, Aaron, and as everybody, you know, and I care knows on average, the vision source practitioner is more successful than the average, you know, solo practitioner or group practitioner. And so these are mostly people who do it really well. And so, you know, you are the people or you become the people that you surround yourself with. And so we're fresh out of school, got a couple of years under our belt of patient care, but we still don't know much about business. So we, you know, sit in these meetings and listen to these older doctors who have done it right and go, you know, we, we couldn't afford to go to the national meeting for a while, but, um, going to the local ones, it's just, it was really nice. And, and, you know, in business, there's a lot of, you know, secret sauce type, you know, stuff where, you know, this restaurant probably won't talk to that restaurant and whatnot. And, you know, you, you can't necessarily call the guy down the street, but in vision source that, you know, everybody's kind of working towards a common goal. And, and so, you know, these doctors, they don't necessarily see you as, you know, competition or, you know, are scared of, of helping grow your business. So they're, you know, they're speaking about their experience and you just kind of absorb it. And, and it really helps to, you know, make the learning curve much, uh, shorter. Mm -hmm. And, and so just trying to take advantage of those opportunities. And, and now, you know, there's a lot more groups there's, you know, IDOC and, you know, PECA and, you know, vision source. So I don't know about the other ones, but I'm sure they have a lot of great doctors in them and a lot of great opportunities. So I would certainly suggest that any new or even established practitioner, if you want to grow to the next level, you know, get in one of these communities that um, helps you learn the way and, and whatnot. So, because as she said, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you can definitely be on an Island and, and that's a tough place to be if you want to grow. That is a tough place to be. You said something, Adam, that I really liked. You said that um, 
as being part of that group, you became, uh, you rose to the level of the group. I can't remember the exact term, but you use the word you you became. And part of my role at Vision Source, we measure the success of of practices and, and we consistently outgrow the industry average year over year. Um, and I've always wondered if, if what comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? Is it because of uh, we're just finding the right people or is it that we're bringing people into the culture that just helps elevate people in doctors and, and entrepreneurs quicker, I guess. Um, and, uh, and if there's, you know, a good idea that somebody has, it spreads more rapidly. And so collectively we can all grow a little bit better. I always, when I describe vision source to someone outside the industry, when I'm like, Oh, I'm going to a vision source meeting. I always say it's, it's a group of like-minded optometrists, you know, very you know, pro private practice. And, um, I do feel like we have some common values and I think there, so that's like you said, that's the other side of it. I think it attracts people like-minded optometrists. And then because of um, what they're doing and what we're all doing because we're sharing, then we collectively grow together. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, it is a little bit of both the chicken and mm-hmm. the egg. I mean, because anybody can theoretically, or, you know, if they're in the rules or whatnot, get into vision source or one of the other groups. But if you're not a like-minded person, you're probably not going to stick around for very long. And so, um, you know, you got to be somebody with an open mind. You got to look past the, you know, royalty that you're paying. You know, you got to, you know, be willing to, you know, listen to other people's ideas and um, decide whether or not they're going to work in your practice and be willing to try things that you may be uncomfortable with. And uh, so, yeah, I think it, it ends up being a lot of like-minded people because of, um, you have to be willing to do those things in order to be successful or with to it. To make it worth it. Yeah. 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 It's definitely a culture that, um, that you engage in. It's not a, a passive yes. culture. Correct. Um, or at least the most you... practices I see doing well are not, are, are not passively sitting on the sidelines. They're mm-hmm. correct. They're, it's they're what getting you make the of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's with anything. It's a resource that you mm-hmm. can maximize. You can, you know, dabble in or you can really, kind of go all in and, and try to get as much of much as much out of it as you can. Yeah. I'm curious cause you guys uh, were with in your vision source group from mm-hmm. your whole life cycle of your practice, right? Coming in cold. Um, mm-hmm. And I love Adam. You said, you know, zero, you know, whatever percentage of, uh, of zero is zero. So it's, uh, it was great to get in early. Um, and then as you grew, I'm curious if your, perception or what you were getting from the attendance of the group and attendance from the, the, uh, um, your membership in vision source, uh, changed slightly. I know mine did, but I'm curious to see what, what your guys' perspective on that is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It did for, it did for me both times that our five years came up, I was like, I don't know, are we really getting out of it again? If I'd gone to the national meeting, I was a little rah rah on it. I felt pretty good on it. But if it'd been a minute, I was like, I don't know. Are we just paying for our discounts? And Adam, the numbers guy, would be like, No, like the our royalties. I mean, our the discounts we have available are are much better. And again, then I'd say, Okay, I, there's there's training I can use on here. There's all these things that I can use that that makes me feel 
you know, that I'm getting more uh, return on our investment of the royalties. Um, we had consultants once we got to a certain point telling us that you really don't need to pay this. You can negotiate your own deals. But if you, if you work, I, I call it, especially with the vendor side of it, mm -hmm. if you work that game and it is a game, oh, yeah. if you work the game of rebate, this discount, that bonus, this, it, you really can make a, a nice margin. If you don't, it's, they're confusing. And sometimes the vendor programs are confusing for a reason. Um, but you have to kind of be smarter than the average bear and really you work those reps, get them to explain it to you and, and work those programs. There's a lot of savings on top of just the price difference. There's a lot of savings to be had um, in the vendor game. Well, that's what mm -hmm. I call it. Yeah. And, and what we got out of being members definitely evolved over time. You know, early on we're sponges absorbing all of the information that we could and you know, the discounts or the deals were, you know, were good, um, better than nothing for sure. But, you know, as we grew and, and we had this, you know, massive like contact lens business, um, you know, the, the partnership that we had, like with Cooper vision, you know, was, you know, paying our royalties like four times over between the, you know, the savings on the private label contacts and then the, the rebate program that we were in. And so we were, we definitely took nice, advantage nice. of different aspects of vision source as we grew. Mm -hmm. And from a practice management side, you know, it was more specific what we were trying to get out of like the exchange or the local meetings versus just taking it all in, you know, instead of 2010 in 2021, we're, you know, much more focused on trying to get this piece of information or that piece of information. And then you serve your turn to give back. Exactly. So you're coming to those meetings and people are getting stuff from you at, at cause you've evolved. So yep. it's a give and take. Cool. I love hearing that because that's exactly been my experience it's coming in. And, you know, I, my dad joined early in the process, actually my senior year of high school is when he joined. And uh, so I grew up a, a vision source kid. Mm -hmm. Um, but coming into the meetings and, and taking over his practice, I was a, a huge sponge. And then as we grew to one of the larger practices in, in our group, um, you know, becoming more of that, that mentor role. But I learned a lot and I still learn a lot from a lot of these young kids that are opening cold now and their perspective and how they see the world. And even when they ask questions on how I should handle an HR issue or, you know, what, what piece of equipment should I buy or should I buy another practice? I, I almost feel selfish that I'm learning more from that experience and that conversation <laughs> than they are because I can add all the experience that I've got along with it. Um, but I agree with, we're hyper-focused in the, the practice because we've got systems in place that I'm, I'm a little bit more surgical in what I'm looking for, um, and, uh, to grow as opposed to just give me everything. Yeah. And that's, you know, and as Christy pointed out and, and you've mentioned it too, Aaron, like, the availability of the Facebook groups, whether it's the big, the original one, the ODs on Facebook or, you know, the, the hipper one that's ODs on finance, you know, the, those, the opportunities that, um, folks have to ask questions, whether you're an associate, whether you're, mm -hmm. uh, you know, wanting to open or whether you just opened cold or, you know, any scenario that you're in, there's somebody out there that's, 
been there before and they're, you know, in a lot of cases willing to, you know, give you some answers. And, and that's, you know, I think, you know, the two of us have absolutely enjoyed over the last, you know, handful of years, um, the opportunities to help pass on some of this, um, you know, knowledge and, and to help, um, help younger doctors and, and people who are just earlier in the journey. No, I, I love that. Um, and I love that you both reference it as a, as a game. Um, I like calling it a game and yeah. some may get offended by it, but, uh, because the game may not sound as serious, but games are fun. You can play games, you can win games. And, and even if you had a, a, a bad quarter, you still got three more quarters in the game to come back and, and try to win. Exactly. Um, but I think the important part of the game is learning the rules. And uh, if, you, if you know the rules of the game, then, you know, you're playing it and you can uh, adapt accordingly. And any of our, our mentors that we look at in sports, whether it's uh, Kobe Bryant, who talked about reading the entire referee manual, so he knew exactly where they were supposed to be and he can adjust accordingly. Um, you know, the, uh, to, to Tom Brady and the, the Patriots dynasty, the Lord knows that they walked the fine line on, uh, on rules on a couple of times. Right. But, uh, but when you learn the rules that you're playing the game and the game's not playing you. Right. Um, so it, it's, you know, taking advantage, like you guys said of, of the programs, no matter what group you're a part of, but understanding that there's a way to do this and there's a way to do it properly for your business mm -hmm. that will help you succeed. And then uh, I'm curious on uh, your take on this, because as optometrists, sometimes I think we need to start an optometry anonymous uh, group where we can raise our hand and you know, admit that we we're afraid to make money mm -hmm. and uh, we don't want to charge patients anything. Um, but the more money we make, the more we can invest back in the practice and and help more patients. And clearly you guys have been very successful of that. Have you had any conversations or what's your thought when, when you talk to doctors and coach with them, when they're uh, afraid to make money, afraid to charge for the services that they're performing? I, I actually was just hours ago texting a client who um, was giving refractions away for free and has been the whole time she's run her business. And we're like, nope, you need to charge for refractions. And she's like, they're yelling at my front desk. And I was like, you can it this you cannot do free services and run a business. If you wanna, you know, it's just the way it is. You don't go to your dentist and get free anything. You don't go to MDs and we all know the OMDs are not giving anything away <laughs> for free. So you just have to know like your kids like to eat, your staff's kids like to eat, like you you also have a responsibility to pay those bills and pay payroll. And, and it's not about the money, you know, on the, on that bottom line, it's the more you, you make the bigger you grow, the more staff you have, the more families you affect. And so by playing small and doing stuff for free, you're, you're doing a disservice to yourself. And, and honestly, the profession, um, to, it's our value. You're lowering our worth if we're giving stuff away for free. So I, I have to look at it that way that yes, you, we, we are all soft hearted. I mean, I think plus the optometrists, um, we can get walked over sometimes because we are just the nicest guys. I mean, that's, it's true. That's why our, our uh, liability is so low because no, no one sues us because we're such nice, nice individuals for the most part. And, but it bites us in the butt sometimes when we are afraid to 
value ourselves, value our education, value our services and what we're providing. So I try to think about it as we're my responsibility to my staff was always how I, I was like, look, I got to pay for them. <laughs> They're expensive. <laughs> and, and today we, you almost, you know, you have to, when you look at the rising, you know, costs that are involved with becoming an optometrist, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would, you know, when you look at the, the cost of, of the schools and, just everything involved with it. If you're going to get out and and not, you know, be a good business person, and you're not going to charge people appropriately for the services that you provide, then it's going to be, you know, you're digging yourself, you know, deeper into the hole. So, um, in order to to make it work uh, financially, you really have to today because you know. It's just the hundreds of thousands of dollars it takes to get into the game. You've got to, you know, be a good, you know, quotes player uh, in order to be successful. And I think, Aaron, as you pointed out, there are a lot of people online that are talking about wouldn't, you know, recommend for my son or daughter and whatnot. And and I think it has a lot to do with, you know, the short-sightedness of the entry cost, which is a whole nother discussion in and of itself. But if you're not going to then, you know, be a good player and a good business person, then you're, then it might not make sense if they're going to, you know, settle for, you know, not mediocrity, but, you know, being average. Um, well, playing small. You're not, you're not playing to the full extent of your ability and, and your potential. Um, and again, when you see it as taking care of more people, because that's really what you're in it for, um, the, the money has to be there to allow you to do that. Cause we're not, you're not running a charity. And nope. so sometimes you see these practices who, that aren't worth a lot or they're not netting a lot. And it's just that difference between, you know, being a little bit, and I don't even say an aggressive, they're afraid, they're afraid to sound salesy. They're afraid to charge what they're really worth. And it's doing, it's, it's a disservice to them and the people around them and the people to come. Discovering the impact of Life Meter this year has been truly transformative for motivating my patients with macular degeneration to embrace carotenoid supplements. With this non-invasive device, we can now quantitatively show that supplements are working. Life Meter assesses carotenoid concentration in the skin, reflecting fruit and vegetable intake, and indicating levels in other vital tissues like the retina and brain. Supported by over 30 peer-reviewed publications, LifeMeter's accuracy, consistency, and effectiveness have been validated in 2,000 subjects of varying background. What's more, it offers the flexibility to prescribe the best-suited products for each patient. My patients love knowing their numbers and witnessing improvements in as little as a month. Better yet, compliance with carotenoid supplements has surged, doubling our sales of MacuHealth since the LifeMeter's implementation. As doctors of optometry, we cannot do what we do without our team. And para-optometrics are allied health professionals who assist us in providing the highest level of vision care to our patients. We at iCode Education want to support you and your team in the para-optometric certification process, which is why not only do we have resources available, training resources available for your team 
to help prepare them for the test. But we also have a discount code specifically for the Aaron Warner podcast listeners, which gives you $100 off for 12 months. So you can use the code AWP2024. That's AWP2024 to get $100 off for a 12 months code. We'll put the link in the show notes, but you can visit icodeeducation.com and search for para-optometric training to see what those courses are like. I'm reminded by the uh, the quote, I believe it was from Marianne Williamson. And I don't remember the whole quote, but it talked about how our being small doesn't serve the world. And we were meant to shine. And I think sometimes we're, as nice people, we're afraid to shine because we feel like that puts us on a pedestal that puts us in a, in a different category than the people we're serving. Um, but I think we owe it to them. And I think they expect us yeah. to, to shine. That's why they walk through the front door. Right. Yeah, for sure. Right. And oh. you're, you're better serving them when you're living up to, to being the leader that you can be the business owner that you can be and the steward of the practice. I mean, you, it does our practices do such good for the people and the communities that they're in you. That's, that's what I think could help you overcome that nice guy syndrome of, um, of playing small and not worthy, um, is to look at all the good you can do. If you just step into what you, what you can be. Oh, absolutely. And I, I this may sound silly. I'm curious uh, your guys' thoughts on it, but I think that we're better doctors when our offices look nicer when the paint is fresher, when our staffs make more money. I believe all of that falls into us providing better care. Now, technical care, you could argue that one way or another, but when people feel good, they perform good. When people feel comfortable in an environment, they're more open to hearing recommendations and trusting the recommendations that they get. If I go into a nice restaurant that's, that's very nice and the waiter's put together and well-spoken and knows the menu, I'm much more likely to trust the recommendations than somewhere where paint's peeling off the walls and you know the waiter has to look over my shoulder at the rest at the menu because he doesn't know what it is mm-hmm. well it's taking pride in what you're offering mm-hmm. you know and you could be the best clinician in the world but if patients don't want to that you're sitting in a dirty waiting room they're going to think less of you uh, mm-hmm. you know of the whole experience right yes. and so um it's every aspect of, of the business needs to reflect how good you are in the in the exam room yeah so and all those aspects take money. Yes. Right? You got to spend and, money to uh, make money, I like to say. And, and making money is okay. It is okay. It is, especially <laughs> with, you know, when you educate the patients, mm-hmm. um, you know, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Why do, is it important for you to have this, you know, test run annually? Why is it important that we put you in this pair of lenses versus the, you know, generic you know, Walmart slash Costco slash Sam's club progressive. Um, yeah, we can do that one and we can do it for, you know, really expensive, but I wouldn't wear that one. And I don't want you to wear that one. I want you to wear the one that's going to, you know, help you, you know, perform the best in your, you know, profession in your everyday life. But if you, if you don't teach them, then, then they only understand the dollars, and, and people are willing to pay for things that are upgrades that are going that have a reason for you know to make that they want them or that they need them. But is if you're not willing to go that extra mile, then um, you're a you're not going to get them, or um, 
B, maybe you just kind of put your head down and be like, nobody wants to pay for this. So I'm just going to uh, do, you know, the easy thing like an Eeyore and, and then you don't end up being successful. I think that makes me think of two things that you, you have to be okay with hearing. No, you're recommend, you're not selling, you're educating and recommending. If they get it. That's great. You can put your head on the pillow knowing you told them what was best, what your recommendation for their best visual solution was. And they know that you, that you did that. Um, so you kind of have to get okay with hearing no, but also I told someone this yesterday, actually, that if, if you don't tell them what's latest and greatest and best, and they go see someone else, or they hear that their neighbor got this. I'm like, my doctor never told me that. You're the expert that they are paying to come and see. They value you. They value your expertise and your experience and recommendations. And if you're holding back on recommending because you're worried about their pocketbook, again, the disservice word comes back up that you're not really fully surveying them and educating them. Whether they get it or not really isn't the issue it's did you tell them the best available for the for mm -hmm. their needs yep 100 percent. and as a consumer i want i want the best product being offered to me whether mm -hmm. i'm going to a, a, a you know a music venue i expect everybody in that band to be giving me their best for the value that the, the ticket that i bought mm -hmm. at a restaurant i want the the chefs and the waiter and everybody to be bringing their a game right and uh and so I think we deserve to, or we owe that to our patients, you know, dare I say customers mm -hmm. in our practice that, you know, they're expecting the A game. They get a voice in it and they get a choice. Just yeah. like I do at, at a restaurant, I may not get the steak and lobster every time, you know, but I may want mm -hmm. it this time. Who knows? And, uh, and so they deserve that recommendation as, as well. You don't want them to look at you and go, oh, I'm not going to tell him about the lobster. <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> he he looks like he a look like he looks like yes. a country fried steak guy. So I'm not going to give him the filet mignon, right. you know. And it sounds silly when you put it in those terms. Yeah. And and right, and obviously in today's world, they're going to hear it somewhere, whether it's on their computer, whether it's on TV, whether it's from their neighbor or from their mom's Facebook group, or you know, they're going to hear about the best somewhere. And like she said, you don't, you know, you're not going to be in business very long if, you know, your patients are questioning, mm -hmm. you know, well, why didn't yeah. my doctor tell me X, Y, Z? And that's one of the things that it, when I was just took over ownership of the practice and I was, you know, hyper-focused on money and how much was in the bank every day and how much we made and what we were doing, um, listening to colleagues and hearing that, you know, they were able to be successful by recommending or selling a certain product and or service in potentially a market that I thought wouldn't be able to afford it. And mm -hmm. so if, if they could do it, it gave me that permission to, to do it as well. Um, I think sometimes it's hard for us to look outside of the four walls of our business as much as we say we, we do, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're ingrained there. That's where we spend most of our lives. And so being able to step away, seeing, inside other people's business and their lives and their successes uh, helps at least for me gave me permission to to be even more successful yeah for sure i that makes me think of sitting in a vision source uh local meeting where i you know heard you know someone talk about how they sold this patient 
you know, five pairs. And that was like a, not a, not an unusual thing at their practice. And it, there's that sense of, yeah, they can do it down the street. Why can't, why can't we do it? So yeah, that's another reason to try to get off your Island yes. and, and engage. Yeah. Well, and just, it helps make your Island that much better, right? Yeah. You don't have to live in somebody else's Island. It's still yours. It's right. still your business. It doesn't make it any less yours or you less independent. Uh, it just gives you that, that support that quite frankly, we all need. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't done a single sport. I grew up playing soccer and wrestling and still, still play to this day. And even on our adult teams, you know, there's always somebody who steps up as the coach, you know, as the, uh, the person to, to give feedback and, and whatnot. And I think it's important that we have those that we, you know, look to, to experts that when appropriate, we spend money on consultants mm-hmm. to give us a, an outside view of, who, of what we're doing. And I can't imagine that, uh, even though they're at the top of the game, you know, Taylor Swift or Mahomes or Travis Kelsey, like they've all got their own people looking at them saying, sure. you could have done this better. You could have done that better. Let's tweak this here and there, you know, just to make you even more at the top. Of course. And yeah. And that's probably a misconception that, you know, he or she is the best. And so, you know, they don't need anyone or, or you know, to help them. But those are most likely the people getting the most help. Because they recognize their deficiencies, whether it's in, you know, you know, running or throwing or singing, or in our case, um, if you're not good with numbers, you know, getting a great uh, CPA or fractional CFO, if you're not good with marketing, you know, getting, uh, hiring a great marketing person or whatever you're not good at, especially with the internet available and uh, virtual this and virtual that available, you can fill those gaps so easily. And, um, and we all have them even at, you know, three and a half million dollars, we still had gaps and we had paid coaches and consultants that we paid to help us to get better at our weaknesses. Our weaknesses weren't as great as they used to be, but they still existed Mm -hmm. And, and new, you know, new things would pop up that, you know, were a bigger deal for a $3 million practice that weren't a big deal for a two and one and and whatnot. And so you've, it's, you know, being the kind of lifelong learner type thing and and always being humble and uh, recognizing that you're not, you know, all knowing and, and, you know, whatnot, it, it helps you to continue to, to put out a better product. I like that. You guys are, uh, we were talking before we jumped on this, you're uh, starting to get into that world right now, right? Where helping practices, Christy, you've mentioned you've, you, you've had some calls, um, but helping practices in a coaching format to, uh, to, to achieve whatever they want to achieve, right? In vision source terms is to achieve their full potential, um, which they define, but we all need coaches helping to get there. Tell me a little bit about uh, what you all, what you guys are doing now. Yeah. So it's been an interesting year since we, uh, let go of the practice. And so I've, I've not, I'm not gonna lie, I've been floundering a little bit and uh, I've found some fulfillment and I'm um, actually the, the talk that you referenced in the beginning, I got a lot of um, e- contacts, a lot of people, uh, mess, direct messages, emails and stuff from that. And so from that, I'm like, there's a lot of people that need, again, that are lonely and they need, they need a voice. Um, 
helping them telling, you know, sharing our experience and things. So I dabbled with that, just helping. And I'm like, I really, I think this is what I, this is next. And so, um, exclusive to the Aaron Warner podcast, because we're getting ready to launch. Um, so I've convinced Adam to come along with me. Um, we're going to be the prosper doctors. Um, cool. we're going to do coaching consulting. I like to call it coach consulting. Um, that's what I'm going to really specialize in. And every, we also want to help people in all the stages of their practice. And because of the experience that we've just been through, um, and then the experience from the decade before, we want to offer to help people too, who are looking at towards the end of their practice and, um, help come in and, uh, be those eyes to show them where they can make things better before they right. are ultimately want to sell it kind of like fixing your house up before you put it yep. on the market. Um, and then, or just practices that want to keep to, that want to grow to go to that next level, um, come in and kind of think of it like practice rescue. If you ever watched bar rescue, yeah. come in and tell them all the things and, um, be as involved as they want us to be on implementing those changes, um, too. So several different services that we're wanting to help doctors with. Yeah. I think that the whole, you know, the process from, you know, six, eight months before we sold the practice and now the you know, year and a quarter after, you know, we've learned so much that I think is completely unavailable um, to anyone who hasn't actually gone through the process. And I know there's a lot of folks that have walked people through it, but until you've been through it yourself, you just don't really understand a lot of the um, mental and, you know, spiritual and emotional challenges and financial um, that come with that process. And so I think a place where we can really help um, owners is helping them, you know, or helping to identify people who are thinking about that and then helping get them to the closing table and then through that process as smoothly and financially beneficial mm -hmm. as possible. Because if you're, you know, if you haven't, you know, done the things that you need to do, then it can be a eye opening experience. And so we just want to utilize our personal experience and, and that and the growth and whatnot to really just help people uh, succeed. Awesome. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. And, uh, and we'll link to, uh, your contact information for the, the, the prosper doctors in the, uh, the show notes. So if anybody's finding themselves in, uh, in that place, uh, feel free to reach out to Christy and Adam. Okay. So that's, that's exciting. I, yeah, I love seeing excited. our community just give back. Right. Yeah. With, again, that's, we've been there and felt that loneliness and that, yeah, well, isolation, but, um, I've always wanted to help the people you know that come behind us learn from our mistakes. <laughs> yeah. We we went through those tough times, the good times, and um, again, if we can shorten the learning curve for other people, all all the better. Absolutely, it reminds me of a, a, a one of my favorite quotes from Lori Sorensen that says uh, the definition of an expert is just somebody who's made more mistakes than you have. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you guys taking time and sharing your story uh, and, and coming on and, and joining us. Um, always uh, gracious uh, hosts and, and good people and just fun to talk with. So 
I'm glad we could make this happen. Yes. All right, Aaron, thanks for having Thank us. you very much. We really appreciate the opportunity. We're really excited to invite you to join the Aaron Warner podcast on iCode Media's first live book club, where we review the book, Buy Back Your Time by Dan Martell. Drs. Brianna Rue, Kyle Cludy, and myself are super excited to share our thoughts with you. We want you to join, share your thoughts with us, ask questions all live on Wednesday, February 21st at 4 p.m. Central Time. In the show notes of this episode, there's a link to order the book. There's also a link to join our book club live on Wednesday, February 21st at 4 p.m. Central. Look forward to seeing you there.